Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. My name is C. I use they them pronouns and I play Okahaye, an Asamar blood hunter slash monster hunting expert. I'm Erica and I play V Nocturzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra and I use they she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. You can also support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include descriptions of gore and violence, mentions of human sacrifice, detailed descriptions of food, and fire burning down a building. Arc 3, Episode 4. Blessings Do Not Erase History. From choking on the ashes of decomposing depressive episodes in Queer Voices, Poetry, Prose, and Pride by Lucas Schielk. Our episode opens on a bowl of fish stew. Chunks of lightly seasoned tilapia are suspended in an airy, fragrant broth with vibrant sprigs of green onion and cilantro sprinkled on top. The rest of Tenga's table is laden with other delectable dishes. Strips of green cucumber, mounds of red kimchi, a quarter rack of brown braised pork ribs, a bowl of yellow glistening steamed eggs, and of course, rice. Dewey, you sit at a small, circular dinner table next to Tanga and her protege, Xiaohu. Tanga is using her chopsticks to heap food into your already piling bowl. Come on, Cardu, eat, eat! You look like Uh, you're starving. Please, no more, please. Please, here, the the head of the fish is the best part. Here, don't you love it? No, you should take it. You used to say, eat the brains to get more brains, right? Was that you? I did not say that. Well, I could have sworn you did, Cardu. Here, here, come on. At least take the eyeballs. Uh, Okay. You take the rest. All right, if you insist. I'll take the other eyeball. All right, Xiaohu, here you go. Eat up. All Uh, yours. (laughs) 
<laughs> and this tabaxi, this jaguar-like tabaxi, uses a uh, rear chopsticks to pick up an eye bomb, pop it uh, into rear mouth, and chews. So, Cardu, what do you think? Does it stack up to everything you remember? The food, I mean. So much better. You were always such a good... Like, I can't cook for... <laughs> to save my life. Uh, I would have starved if it were not, were it not for you. <laughs> well, I'm glad you at least pay homage to everything I've had to go through to keep our partnership sustained back when we were still working together. Uh, speaking of partnerships, though, Cardu, you mentioned you had a wife, daughter? Uh, yeah, well, we're sort of separated for now um, on account of everything and also the apocalypse. Right, of course. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, and I think maybe like an awkward, sad silence hangs like steam over the dinner. Uh, and then Tonga says in a rapid pivot, so the championship! Yeah, Sohu, what have you been doing to prepare? I don't know what, <laughs> what goes on. I wake up at 4 a.m. every morning and I train until 4 p.m. Then I eat dinner until 9. Um, cool. Me too. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dewey, is that a lie? That feels like a lie to me. Yeah, Dewey does not do that. Okay, just make a deception roll. Just roll deception, because why not? Oh, None of us expecting to roll anything at all. I have no idea where our dice are. You got a three? Would you like to use one of your three inspirations or perhaps a point of one of our seven collective? <laughs> or would you like to save that? Uh, I don't get to make very many rolls, so yeah, I'll do it. I don't care if it's higher, but I just want to see what it is. Oh, that's a 16. Okay, 16. Uh, I'm going to take a star off of your board. Uh, yeah. Xiaohu eyes you, right, with like a grizzled crystal blue iris and deigns to speak further. Tonga says... Uh, you're getting full, right, Cardu? Getting nice nice and full and warm on your belly? This is the best meal I've had in months. <laughs> it's been rough out there. Uh, haven't your companions been taking care of you? They're fantastic. Uh, just, you know, cooking outdoors is, while you're traveling is always difficult. That is true. Well, now that you feel full up, I guess this would be the perfect opportunity to discuss <clears throat> the competition. So, Xiaohu and I have done no small degree of research into who else is going to be applying to the championship this year, regardless of what the challenge will be. I think we have a leg up now that we know it's stopping the carnival. Thank you for telling us that, by the way, Cardu. Um, but basically, everyone and their mom, quite literally, is probably going to participate this year. That's my guess, based on current trends. It's either going to be the most hopefuls we've seen, or the least. I mean, given the apocalypse and everything, but I think it's going to be the most. I just have a feeling about it. More people every year, right? Exactly. Every, every time. It's always trending upward. Always. <sighs> well, aside from like 200 years ago, but that's like ancient history, right? <laughs> anyway, are you interested in hearing the list of top contenders, seeing who who's up against? Sure, tell me about them. All right. Uh, and Tonga gets up and like clears the table a little bit to like slap down a dossier right and then we hear like heist music in the background go and she goes all right number one person we have to watch out for her name's talat 
poof, and she like opens up the dossier and you see like a portrait of like a human ranger, right? Talat Ohm. Uh, and you see a human woman with a dark brown skin and a very fierce looking face dressed in this uh, practical leather armor. And she has a, a vitiligo, I think that's how it's pronounced, uh, meaning that parts of the skin on her face are hypopigmented or like pale. Uh, and her short wavy black hair is cropped acutely uh, right down to her chin. And you see that this is this seems to be like a sneak shot, right? Uh, she's like surrounded by woods and her arm is lifted as a hawk is in the middle of like perching on it. Tanga says, she lives out in Clothal jungle by herself, just living off the land. She's almost certainly definitely going to participate this year. And if the carnival is the challenge, like you mentioned, then she probably has an edge over the rest of us. She knows Clothal jungle like the back of her hand. And we've still seen her frequenting the market, so that means she wasn't taken by the carnival like everyone else. We have to worry about her. She's gonna be tough. I would love for Sohu to win, but, um... I mean, I just want to stop the carnival. Like, that's... Yeah, uh, next ruler, but also if this doesn't stop, more people are gonna get sucked in. So I'll take all the help I can get. But you just have to be careful about alliances and these things. <sighs> we usually form them in the beginning of every championship challenge, remember? What happened last time? Uh, but usually alliances break when the final home run is in stretch. The next person we have to watch out for, and then like she flips to the next page, is Jing. And you see an elf uh, with gray-brown skin and a short mess of bone-white hair. Uh, like they've been starved of sunlight since birth, but in kind of like a, a handsome, handsomely rugged way, right? And a blue strip of cloth is tied around their forehead with golden coins dangling from it. Uh, and they seem to be like, this also is like a creep shot, right? Of them in like the middle of like a smoky parlor. And like their like arms are like stretched out. There's like a pretty boy, like you know, on like either side of Jing and they're like laughing, you know, and their eyes look really lazy and unbothered. Ding is also something of a lone wolf. Um, you might call them the archetypal championship scumbag, player, gambler, sword for hire. All I know about them is that they live day to day without a care for the future. They're always gambling. They're always kissing on cute boys and girls. I have a feeling they're going to be entering the championship 100%, but I don't think they'd make a very good ruler. I think they're just in it for the fun. We've got one of those on our side. One of those types. Oh, the V person, right, that you mentioned? No. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere Oka sneezes. <laughs> and of course, last but not least, this is probably our stiffest competition. Uh, and she flips it to the final page of the dossier, uh, where we pan over to expose... A very familiar-looking tiefling to you. Kane. It is a tiefling that you know from the illusion that popped up, right, in the uh, hero suite. A tiefling with midnight blue skin, wavy, long black hair, and pure silver eyes. Uh, they wear these loose draping robes that are exposing top surgery scars, right? And this is not a creep shot. It's actually like an autographed photo. Right, <laughs> that like they seem to have like been passing out, and it's like a beautiful like picture of themselves. Right, and there's like flowers, um, and like what looked to be like a waterfall in the distance. Kane, as we both know, this was Bloodthirst's protege. Did he not compete? They did last time, um, but Quicksilver got the better of them. They came in third place. Are they allowed to compete again? Yes, because they didn't Are we win. Bending... Oh, okay, terrifying. So this is the favorite to win, then? 
Yes. Maybe. Kane is almost definitely the favorite to win. They're a great fighter. They're an amazing magic user. But their most dangerous aspect is their cunning. You can't trust a single word that comes out of that snake's mouth. I mean, remember what they did to Rose? Yeah, don't trust anyone. Got it. Okay. Yep. Any questions about these three? Talat, Jing, Kane? Do we know where they are right now besides uh, Talat? Not really. I mean, Zing's probably honestly down at Bacchanalia Beach. Kane, Kane is really hard to pin down. I have a feeling that Bloodthirst has some sort of secret training arena hidden in Rosso. That's probably where they are. I might want to go find them, talk to them, maybe. Uh, Cardu, uh, why don't you take Xiaohu with you, uh, just in case? Uh, sure. You want to come? I will protect you from that conniving snake. Okay, cool. I feel safe. (laughs) Uh, And maybe on that, we pan away from, like, the steam rising from the food, right? Uh, To, as the steam swirls in the air, it seems to take on an icy quality. As Sievert blasts a breath of snow ice straight at your face. V, we are in, literally in the middle of combat. Sievert is leaping up across this, like, a scattered uh, inn table, right? As, like, bookshelves and desks and chairs fall away from his previously entrapped body. And he's muttering, I'm gonna do this the hard way, V. And poof, blows ice at you. And I need you to make a deck save. Uh, 16. 16, that is barely sufficient, V. Tell me how you barely dodge out of the way. I think we're going to do a, a back somersault and like one of those things where the claws like right over her head as she's somersaulting backwards onto a back handspring and flips back up and there's a quick kick down to get back onto her feet and probably hits against the wall and like, oh crap, this is for real. Yep, it is for real. And the... uh area that Sievert blasts with his like ice breath freezes over you see like the the decanter you know full of like wine ices up and then shatters like liquid nitrogen has come in contact with it right and you also see like silverware scatter you see like the edge of the table gloss over with frost and the wood crack uh, from the pressure as the the heat of the room expands against it Uh, so V what do you do as Sievert is still and he's trying to like blow this back toward you First off, I would like to use a spell point to get elemental affinity against cold because oh, that is okay. my. So I do have some. Re- I have resistance to cold. Oh gosh, what I would like to do then? I guess we're doing this, Sievert. I, I guess we're doing this, and I'm going to use seven sorcery points uh, oh, to give me God. another fifth level spell slot. Okay. And in this case, I'm going to use chromatic orb. Uh, a fire uh, tuned to fire so this is, and this is just like going to be like huge just like burning bright every piece of fire I can imagine and I'm going to throw it and use the auto crit on the attack oh my god okay so, V tell me how you do it tell me what happens so it's going to be so big it's like almost a beach ball and V just like grabs it and just let's put some pizzazz on this gonna do now that like everything is cleared out with the attack she's gonna do a forward somersault and like whoosh hardcore over the head throw the ball at sievert's face right into the kisser 
Okay, since you took that auto crit, V, I'll let you choose. Do you want to roll max damage and then again, or do you want to choose a different boon? I'm going to take the max damage, which would be uh, 78, so that's 56 <laughs> points of fire damage, if I've done my math correctly. Okay, that's 56 points of fire damage, and you get to roll roll out the dice again. So so 79. Seven, okay, uh, you... <laughs> You hit, you hit Sievert for 79 points of fire damage inside I've been waiting of a room. For, for seven years to do that to you, friend. Okay. Fire balloons outward uh, from where you shoot this huge, like, mini sun at Sievert, and it just fills the room, right? Like a... Uh, like an oil fire. If you've ever seen like how quickly that expands, the entire room is just engulfed in licking bright red scorching flames. Uh, but there's like, you know, like a magical protective barrier, like like swirling around you, right? Like you're not hurt by this. Um, and Sievert is just disappears. Like he lets out a ah! And like his roar is like completely consumed by the roar of this hellfire. Um, and you feel the heat. You feel the. You hear and you feel in the air the vibrational shattering of windows um, as the glass just immediately is in, incinerated to like sand uh, from the the power of this heat. Uh, you smell burning pages of books. You smell burning wine. You smell a uh, burning wood everywhere, all around you. Black smoke billowing. The flames eventually die down, right? But the entire room is on fire and filled with smoke. And standing ten feet away from you, sort of staggering. His suit on fire, right? Half of it is charred off, uh, revealing his scaly skin, white skin underneath. Sievert. Ugh, fuck. V. You. Mother. Ugh! And he's like, like slapping at himself. He survived, right? But he looks pretty, pretty burnt up, literally. And you notice something on his body that you do not remember him having seven years ago. He is covered from throat to ankle, and this is revealed, right, from, like, his, like, burnt-away suit in what appears to be a ritualistic tattoo. And this tattoo is, like, rainbow-colored, right? As he's, like, moving and twisting, like, like the scales of a fish, you can see it, like, glimmering and taking on different colors, chromatic colors, right, uh, as he's turning and moving. Would you like to roll Arcana to see if you can parse out what this tattoo means? Yeah, I will roll Arcana. I think that is more than fair for our friend the sorcerer. 16? 16. You notice one, two, three, four, five distinct ink colors that are being used. There's red ink, right? Like on, on one side of his like exposed charred scales uh, that look to be like flames, right? Looking up one shoulder. Uh, there's blue ink that appears to be like jagged lightning. Uh, there's black ink down as well, green, and the most prominent one shot through the middle is white ink. These are the five prominent colors. Each one seems to have an elemental affinity of some sort, and it seems to be, like, with your 16 arcana, a marker of loyalty. It reminds you of, like, you've encountered a lot of thieves' guild guilds in your adventuring, and some of them are, like, tattooed. Think, like, Yakuza, like, head to toe to, like, symbolize that they're part of, like, a gang or a guild, and this feels very similar. Well, Sievert, you've you uh, look like you've been busy there. Your your uh, I, nice tattoos. I, I wish you would have had them seven years ago. I would have, I would have enjoyed it greatly. Uh, are these marks of the uh, chromatic order at all, or what? Uh, 
What are these beautiful markings you have, friend? You. You. Snake in the grass. I never, ever should have even set out to find you. Oh, so you have thought about me these last seven years. <laughs> I'm not talking about between then and now. I'm talking about when we first met. Oh, you were searching for me back then so long ago. That wasn't some random occasion, a random meeting at a card table. You're not so dumb as to think it was just coincidence, are you? I mean, not at all, but, you know, it's kind of flattering to know that I'm so important that someone of your stature and power and wisdom would have to search for me. For all... Have you been trying to get me for the chromatic order this whole time? You are nothing. You are nothing like what he expected. You are a black hole, V. You think I'm to blame for your broken heart and why you don't have any friends? Look at this! Uh, and he brandishes his claws to, like, gesture to this burnt-down room. This is what you are! You are a burnt-down room! Your heart is nothing but ash! But if you've ever noticed about the things that are burnt down, they all belong to you. <sighs> Keep telling yourself that, V. Whatever lies you need to make to yourself, whatever excuses for why everyone always ends up abandoning you. <laughs> Those little friends you have now, they'll abandon you, just mark my words. When you need them most, they'll turn away. You know why? Because you're toxic. You know, I could get you in touch with a lovely vampire who would probably not only disagree with you, but... She may get some enjoyment out of making you her personal plaything. V, as the two of you are like staring down each other, right? He is very much like, you see his eyes are like scanning the room. He's likely looking for an exit or like a way out of the situation because you've, you've, you've fucked him up pretty bad. How are you feeling? V is, she's putting a strong face, but I'm not, not going to lie. Those, those statements from Sievert, though, they, that hurt. It hurt a bit. She's trying to stay strong. It's very similar to the first meeting where, despite being real messed up and barely hanging on to consciousness, she was trying to stay strong until Sievert was no longer present. But yeah, inside that really, he, he got some good knives right to the heart there. Totally, totally, totally. I need you to make a charisma save to see if you can keep those emotions from showing. 17. Okay. Uh, Sievert, like... His darting eyes fix on your face, and then he punches the ground. Uh, and where he punches the floor, the wood cracks and like, like icicles shoot toward you, right, in like a straight line. And the icicles where they like appear up, uh, like just completely like destroy the furniture in its way. Like chairs go flying. The table that was on its like final legs of being charred like just completely breaks in half. Like glass shards go like soaring through the air. And I need you to make another deck save to avoid it. 17. 17. Okay, you're able to avoid the worst of it. Uh, so V, as you dodge to the side of this like ice spike, poof, one like shoots up and I think just like nabs you near the arm. So I'm going to have you pick. I'm going to give you a tough choice here. Uh, you're either mm -hmm. going to take, take take some damage as the icicle punches through your arm or you're going to be uh, grappled temporarily as it like forms like an icy like manacle around your wrist. I'll take the damage. 
Okay. A spike of uh, ice shoots through you. Uh, and like you feel just like searing pain, but your the adrenaline pumping like helps like mute it somewhat as like blood bursts out from the other side of your arm. Uh, and I need you to take 14 points of piercing damage and another six points of cold damage. Uh, as so three, three points of cold damage because I have the resistance. Oh, yes, you're right. Three points of cold. Thank you. Sounds good. I'm still alive. Yeah. Yeah, you're still alive. Uh, as you, you're, you're there. You know, sort of like a like a Jesus moment, right? Uh, and like blood's mm-hmm. going. Not gonna get too graphic, but there's blood flowing. Uh, Sievert rushes forward, and you see like he pulls out like what appears to be some sort of jar uh, from like the tattered remains of his vest, and he's diving to catch the blood. What do you do? Was not expecting the play for the blood right away. I will then. Throw a wall of fire between him and the blood. Okay. Uh, as you get ready to like poof, bring up this wall of f- flames. And I think as we see it, like, like the embers crackle at your feet. Uh, we are going to transition like on the embers, like streaking across uh, the wooden floor, the charred remains of this wooden floor. We are going to transition to Manaya. Manaya, you have finished telling many stories to the town of Oberon, uh, sitting on the base of the statue of your mother, Nali, right? Uh, With the crown that Gora had gifted you on your head. And as the last of your tales winds down, right, uh, the sunless sky darkens and Gora turns away from you, uh, her uh, breaking the momentary rapture, right, that you'd, you'd washed over her and says to the townspeople, Everyone, let's go back inside. We all know the night beasts like to prey on those who wander alone. And let's all give a hand to Manaya, right? Thank you so much for sharing your time, your wisdom, and your stories with us. Uh, and everyone claps. Manaya bows her head. The flower crown shifts, maybe like falls a little bit, and she catches it. And as the crowd is dispersing, does Gora stay? Gora does stay. Seems like she wants to talk to you. As the crowd disperses, Manaya takes the flower crown, realizing that it probably will just keep falling off, and loops it through her left arm, bringing it all the way up to her bicep, and ties it there, under a golden armband, relatively new, uh, engraved with the lyrics of the very song she sang at her mother's death. The gold armband that was made from the melted-down remains of... uh, the golden hair rings that were enchanted by her mother. So as you put the crown on your arm, Gora says, Manaya, because you are the bearer of the princess now, is she there? Can I speak to her? He's been quiet the past few days. Uh, Let's get inside to continue this conversation, but... She's been quiet ever since we've gotten even close to this place. But why? We love her. We venerate her. And normally she'd love the attention, so it's a mystery as much to me as it is to you. Well, I've been worshipping her ever since I was a little girl myself. Perhaps she requires more sacrifices before we can speak to her? Um, not right now, of course. I've had luck with leaves before. Burning leaves. But 
that was a few months ago, and I don't know if it'd still work now. And I don't even know if she wants to come out. Years ago, when Mum came here for the first time, the stories say that the princess herself made an appearance. Is that true? Well, this was before my time, of course. Uh, but all the stories my mother and her mother before her told her say that something magical appeared right here, right where we erected the statue. Nali came, and magic blossomed out of her, and the cold, harsh winter melted away to, to a warm, forgiving spring. That's all I really know. That's all the stories say. Maybe what's one side. We'll try to call her. Okay. Uh, Gora leads you to her home, which is a humble little cottage, I think, close to that shallow pond where she was bathing in preparation for the end of summer ritual where she was to consecrate her soul to the Princess of Leaves. Uh, and inside this home, you see sort of a, a bed. It's like almost like a one-room home, right? There's like a very modest bed pushed up against a corner. Uh, you see like a, a cooking range with a chimney up uh, and like a, a dog, a little dog is, is sleeping uh, in a like a pile of bedding. And Gora says, oh, please, everything here is very humble. I'm so sorry. I can't offer anything more beautiful for you. It's quite all right. I've... This is the best lodging I've had since Rosso. <laughs> oh, you flatter us. Please, please sit down. And she gestures toward a little like sofa nearby. And you also notice that there's like a shrine in the corner. The shrine has maybe like the biggest area of the home that has like various like leaves of all colors and seasons um, offered in front of it, as well as like various fruits and vegetables from the different seasons. Is she is she stirring now? <laughs> now that we're alone? me a moment and Manai closes her eyes and reaches deep down into her soul drawing upon magic drawing upon the princess as you reach deep inside and try to contact the princess you just hear a very very small voice in the corner of your soul go Manai I don't make me talk about this please understand I'm not, and I turn to Gora and say Gora I'm sorry to disappoint but the what happened here many 40 years ago was a touchy subject for her and she wishes not to talk about it but I I don't understand she saved us we harbor no ill will toward her did we do something wrong no 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 not at all your sacrifices and your offerings, I'm sure are well, well received. I don't know. I just don't know. I see. Well, it's getting late. I'll make you some tea and please, you can have my bed for the night. No, no, please. Set me up at an inn. A spare bed? A spare room anywhere? No, no, I insist. We, we don't really get too many travelers, uh, so we don't have necessarily an inn. Uh, this... Please, have my bed. I insist. Where will you sleep? I'll make do on the floor, next to Pogo. Indicates the dog. Hardly a place to sleep. Here, we'll share blankets. It'll supposed to be colder tonight. Uh, 
And you see, like, she blushes a little when you say that. I'm... I don't mean to. I'm not... Uh... No. Not like that. We'll put a blanket between us. It'll... Listen, I want you to be warm, and I want you to get a good night's rest. You've been through a lot today, and you were prepared to die today, and that's a big thing to in be interrupted. You deserve rest. Thank you. Your your generosity knows no bounds. Thank you. Okay. So, I think the night for you, Manaya, passes with a little incident. Save for the dream that always happens, that always plagues you. Battle, war, blood, death, stranger. And you gasp awake, as always, at 8 a.m. sharp the next morning. And I think you're rousing uh, the violent jolt of you, like, <gasps> like gasping awake, uh, wakes up Gora, who's like curled up next to you, the blanket between the two of you. Um, and she immediately wakes up and goes, oh, what is it? What is it? Is everything okay? Are we under attack? No, no, no. I just have had nightmares for a few months. It's fine. So sorry to hear that. I, I've had nightmares as well. You have? Oh, yes, of course, of losing my family and my friends and the cataclysm taking us next. Of course. Anything about feathers, eyes, a battle? I don't follow. Should I be having dreams about- Nothing. It's- it's nothing. I- we're just- I'm sorry you have to go through this. Nightmares are horrible, and I take it from someone who has them every night. They don't get any easier to deal with. Thank you. Um, perhaps this will help. I'm very low on it myself. I need to go foraging for more ingredients to make it, but here, this- this might help you. Uh, someone from- the kingdom of Tulong, actually, came by here uh, perhaps a couple of weeks ago, uh, selling things, and this was one of the things they sold. Uh, and she gets up, goes over to like the nearby uh, bedroom table, bed bed table, and pulls open a drawer and takes out a tincture, right, like something that you would like dab onto your tongue. And there seems to be very little of it left, uh, and she hands it to you reverently. Um, this is a dream deep salve uh, one drop of it on your tongue before bedtime shall ensure that you have no bad nightmares i don't know if this will help me i please i insist and she tries oh, to like fold well, it into your hand thank you my companions and i will make good use of this we might be headed there to see log next we might be able to find more uh, good luck with that the trader said something about the emperor closing the borders I don't know what's going on over there, but it might be hard to get in. Unless you're an official or a family member. Well, we might have an in. Depending on how things shake out. Oh, In these good. coming weeks. I'm glad to hear that. Well, you're welcome to stay in Oberon for as long as you wish. Our homes and hearths are open to you always. Thank you. I may stay for a few more days to rest my legs. Owlbears are... Quite difficult to ride. Yes, we did notice the mount coming in. I think I hear it now. And you hear like the owl bear like, like a mix between like growling and shrieking as it's like waking up and getting hungry. Shoot, I forgot to feed her. Uh, what do owl bears eat? Salmon? Fish or salmon? Salmon. Uh, here, I'll bring you down to 
down to the uh, the river. It feeds out oh. into the Hima Sea. Oh, thank you. Uh, and with that, Gora gets up and like gets dressed, you know, and like also like offers you like fresh clothes if you want them, um, and leads you outside, right? And I think like on the door opening. Wait, does Manaya get one of those like leaf cloaks? Oh my god, yes! Okay, you get like a cool little leaf robe. Sure, you can add that to your inventory. <laughs> Hell yeah. Very nice. More work for our character artist. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of which, as the door opens, right, um, to like the outside of Oberon where there's supposed to be like the, the summer smell, you know, and like um, the cawing of nearby birds and like the, the whooshing of the ocean in the near distance. But instead, the door opens into a room uh, on the second floor of the shrieking monkey in Convergence. And we see Oka, Oka Hie standing there stricken as Liang Ya, your middle sister sits there in like abject shock, uh, like half like about to like get up to like hug you, embrace you, slap you. You don't know. Uh, but Sambaya is there holding in front of you reverently the scabbard uh, of the sword of the emperor dream hunter. Oka, what do you do? It's like there is complete silence as Sambaya uh, finishes her plea. Uh, and Oka's eyes are like glued to the scabbard. And they like reach out a hand really, really slowly. And then they like stop like an inch off the scabbard and they breathe. And then they put their hand around it and take it and just click it open the tiniest bit just to make sure it is exactly what it is supposed to be. The scabbard is heavy in your hand as you take it, the weight of an actual blade inside. You can feel it. It's not empty. And the scabbard of Dream Hunter uh, is, I think I said, it's like black and silver and gold, right? Uh, it's like a black, mostly black with like gold and silver adornments with like a dragon wrapped up uh, around it as a design. The hilt itself is blue jade. Uh, that's carved in such a way that it looks to be studded with scales. Uh, and the pommel is just like silver and heavy, right? And as you click it open, you see a silver blade and your own like a double peopled eye glinting back at you. Um, and the bottomest, bottommost rune of, you know, there would be eight carved up the length of this blade. Uh, and the rune seems to like flash silver as you like direct it under the light uh, filtering in through the windows. Yep, that's Dream Hunter, no doubt about it. Motherfucker. Uh, Oka clicks it closed pretty much immediately as they realize exactly what it is. Um, and they take one breath. <sighs> Sambaya, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Uh, and they like kind of like throw it like the, I think the, the scabbard has like a silver chain that you can like sling over your shoulder. They like sling it on. Uh, and they walk over to to Lianya, uh, and they like put their hand like on the t on the desk that they were that she was just writing on, and they are like leaning like leaning up and over her, and like, who knows you're here? Who knows you're here? Toya, mom, anyone else? Who saw you leave? Lianya speaks. Uh, uh, it, um, Toya, Toya knows we. Sambaya asked her to come along, but she didn't believe Yaya. And it like casts like a really angry look at Sambaya, who's like shriveling under your gaze. 
Um, Mom doesn't know, but Toya probably told her. She's, she's the only one who knows. Oh, great. Fucking told Toya. Okay. 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 Um, and they turn back to Yaya. This is the most foolish thing you have ever done. Do you understand what this means? Do you understand what could have happened if somebody saw you take this? You would have been like me. What would have happened to mom then? What if, what if I want to be like you, huh? Everyone at the palace is so, they're so full of it. They're so full of shit. It's the first time you've ever heard Yaya curse, like ever in your life. And they're all lying to each other. And Toya wants to become a stupid liar too. And Liangya doesn't care about anything. All she cares about is doing work. And mom's sick and no one's- Sambaya. And Oka like gets back to her and like crouch, you know, crouches down to where I think she's still kind of like kneeling on the ground. And they like take her chin in their hand. Look at me. You don't want to be like me. Do what you can in the palace. Sambaya, you are 16th born. You can skate under the radar. Do you understand what I'm telling you? You cannot do this. No one can ever know you were here. Do you understand? Liangya, do you understand? Yes, sibling. But I, I, I... Mother, father will not be so kind to us twice. She did a favor for mom by letting me live. I don't know if she'd do the same for you, especially not if mom's sick. Do you understand? You were never here. You, I stole the sword, okay? I broke into the palace and I stole the sword. And if anyone knows that you were here, tell them that I, I kidnapped you and you barely escaped. Do you understand what I'm telling, to you, telling you? But I, but, but. I stole the sword and I kidnapped you and you did not sneak into mother father's chambers and you did not steal dream hunter do you understand yes sibling but i i i wait 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 uh, uh, mccoya does that mean you're not coming back but i gave you but you have well you have to come back with us right to return dream hunter you have to take care of us and 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 help us on our way back if I come back with you now, they'll think it was collusion and they'll kill all three of us. I'll bring the sword back, Sambaya, but I cannot bring it back now. And when I do, I will not see you. Uh, Sambaya's face breaks uh, with despair. Uh, and she like drops her chin out of where you're holding it. And she just like, her small body just like starts heaving with sobs. As she's like crying and like between sobs, she's like, but no, Oka, please. You have to come see me. You have to, you have to come say hi. You have to say hi to mom and, and Toya hasn't seen you. And you've just saw me and Liaya. You can't leave us again. You can't, you can't. Oka hesitates. And I think a memory filters of a bamboo grove and a Celian uh, frothing at the mouth, uh, staring down a Sambaya. It's much smaller, tottering, you know, in front of it as it snarled and Oka leapt in front of her. And they look 
at Sambaya now. Yaya, I am doing this to protect you. I need you to understand that always. But I can't come back now. And I don't know what'll happen when I try to return this. <sighs> Lianya. And Oka kind of like takes a, a hesitant step back and they're shaking too. And I think like these little like fiery like sparks of like lightning are just starting to like peel off of their skin and like snapping in the air around them as they like become more and more distraught. Um, Lianya, take, take Sambaya back home. Take her to old mama lightning and say that you've been in the library with her this whole time. And if anyone, if anyone calls you on your bluff, say that I kidnapped you, please, please. And fucking swear Toya to secrecy. Do you understand? Yes, sibling, I understand. Um, old mama lightning, she, she's not in the kingdom anymore. How things change. Okay, kind of like shakes themselves. You're smart, you'll figure it out. Don't let anyone know that you were here. Take her back, please. Keep her safe. And Oka, uh, like, uh, like, kind of like takes the back of Toya's head and like presses their foreheads together, you know, like for one long, long minute. And they're still like shaking, and these like peels of like red lightning are coming up and off. Uh, you and mean they said, "Ah, yes, Lianya. Uh, that's the problem with rhyming siblings." Um, and they turn back to Sambaya, uh, and they kind of like get on their knees on the floor next to her. And they like just lean over and like kiss the top of her head. And when they do, I am finally going to use an ability that I've been holding onto since the last time we leveled up. Uh, Oka, you know, is, will, is just like overwhelmed. And as the emotion is swelling and like all they want to do is hide, uh, they kiss the top of Sambaya's head, and then just in this like flash of shadow and uh, like almost like a red eye, like flashing, Oka disappears. And they cast invisibility on themselves and they're gone. As you vanish out of the view of your sisters, Sambaya looks up and like looks around, you know, her like her face all like swollen with tears, and Bianca goes, oh also like gasps as you disappear and Sambaya just like starts like wailing, you know, like, no, no, Makoya, come back, please. No, take me with you. Take me with you. Uh, and she's just like crying and sobbing and like getting hysterical, you know, and like pounding the ground and like scratching at it and screaming. Um, and Liangya like grabs, grabs onto Sambaya and like pulls her into like her chest so she can like cry against her shoulder. Um, but Liangya is also crying and is like stroking and it's like, shh, it's okay, it's okay, we'll go back home. We got to see Oka, they're okay, you're okay, it's gonna be fine, you know? But like Yaya is just inconsolable, like crying and wailing. Uh, as you take a step back, you know, and you realize like your sisters can't see you, what do you do? Uh, Oka fucking like just like barrels out the door you know they like it like gets thrown open you know by some like invisible force as Oka just like runs and they like go downstairs and like you just see like people at the bar you know like getting shoved you know like this way and that and like somebody is like like ow like as like a like a little like peel of red lightning like zaps them you know as Oka like pushes past and somebody's like drink spills over and then the then the front door also like flies 
And you can see like the like pattering like footsteps where like little little puffs of dust are coming up as Oka is like running. They're just like running. Um, and on the ground, like these little droplets uh, like falling onto the ground as though it were rain, but they're crying. Uh, and they like do like one long whistle uh, and the like sound of the elk starts to follow them. It approaches and they like, there's one like big kick in the dust as they kick up onto the elk's back and they ride as fast and as far as they can. We open on a battlefield strewn with bodies. Dozens, no, hundreds of corpses litter this battlefield. Armor, leathers, furs, pikes, spears, scimitars, horses, saddles, blood, blood, and blood everywhere. It's hard to tell what's more red. The crimson rivers running over these bodies, or the nightmare sky cracked open like an egg, flanked on either side by gigantic wings spread out from a figure bigger and taller than any mountain and dake has ever or will ever see. The stranger, their ephemeral glowing corpse-like, beautiful, terrifying, disgusting body, rippling with eyes and wings, feathers, looking down at the destruction. But not all hope is lost. Amidst the death and the gruesome, and the fire and the lightning and the hell, we find a sword. And Oka, you're looking at it. The sword is sticking out of a mound of corpses, its silver blade sleek with blood, its blue jade hilt glistening crimson from the red-cut sky. You stagger, your body riddled with wounds, a spear shot through your gut, arrows sticking out of your shoulder. You stagger toward this sword. It calls to you. When you look upon it, you feel hope. With this sword, you can change the tide. You can bring them back. You can fight. You can win. You can save. And Dake, what do you do? I reach for the sword, and I try to pull it into my grip. As you pull the sword out, it comes out smooth like butter, like its sole existence is to be wielded by you. It is light as a feather, but wicked and deadly. And as you pull the sword out from the mound, it turns in your grip. You feel your your wrist being spun around and you try to like loosen your fingers from it, but some sort of magical force is keeping it clasped down there on the hilt, vice-like. And you realize as the sword makes a beautiful arc in the air, the tip of it is coming down toward your chest. What do you do? Maybe there's a shouted like, wait, no. And then the sword pierces through your wound, creating a new one. And golden blood cracks along your chest. Um, and the sword is no longer a blade, but the horn of a telian. And then that flickers and it turns into a silver blade again. And you hear a voice in your head that just says, you are not worthy. And 
pain rips through your body and splits you in half and you gasp awake at eight o'clock in the morning, right on the dot. Where are you, Oka? You've been traveling back to Rosso. Tell us where you are. Oh, I'm probably like three or four days out from the city. I've been moving much faster than I did last time um, to get there. I've been moving away very, very quickly. Um, and I think that Oka was asleep, like leaned up against uh, their elk with the, with the sword, like in their grip. Like they were holding onto the hilt, although they hadn't unsheathed it uh, since they got it. Uh, and I think they like wrapped it up uh, in like uh, stray bits of like fabric that they might have found from somewhere. Uh, and as they wake up, uh, they kind of like throw it down, like off. Like if it's still on, like if they're holding onto it in their lap, they kind of like throw it down off their lap. And as it clatters to the ground, you know, like I think it part of the blade like unsheaths you know, from like the motion. And you see like that bottom rune like glimmering up at you. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a sword, right? So it's like an inanimate object, but you get the sense that it hates you. You don't know why. But looking at this sword, all you feel emanating toward you like a noxious wave of emotion is just dislike. Oka uh, leans forward and clicks it shut. Uh, and says to, I think, nobody in particular. I didn't ask for this either. And maybe on the sword, clicking shut. Uh, we go to an owlbear's beak, clicking shut, as Manaya's owlbear gobbles down this fish. Uh, and I think the saddle's back on. You know, I think, Manaya, it's been a day or two, right, since you've stayed in Oberon, and you're ready to go back to Rosso. You gotta make it back before the end of the month, anyway. Uh, and let's say you're at the edge of Oberon and there's like a small like goodbye committee for you. Uh, you've gotten to know a couple of the kids here, a couple of the elders spoken with them, traded stories. Um, and of course, Gora has been very hospitable toward you and is like trying to heap like last minute offerings to you, like give you like last minute tofu and like last minute bits of like dried, dried meats and vegetables, you know, and like fruits. Like, please, please, you have to take some for your journey home. Oh, uh, no, no, I... Save some for the kids. We, we got plenty to eat. Don't worry about us. You got the princess. Here, have this pumpkin. I saved it from last fall. Oh, oh, that's quite large. It's 50 pounds. Listen, my alb has all, already lost two packs. I don't know if I have room or if you could even carry that, that kind of thing. Uh, listen, listen. Why don't you go make some pumpkin pie with that? And... My mother always used to say, the secret ingredient is a heaping spoonful of cinnamon sugar. <gasps> Give that a try. Yes, yes, Manaya, yes, Manaya. Uh-uh-uh, remember, what do we call her? Uh, yes, uh, bearer of the princess. Yes, of course. Oh, please, please, Manaya is fine. <laughs> Run along now, kids. Uh, and it takes like four children to roll this pumpkin like back into Oberon. Uh, and Gora turns back to you and says, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. You are 100% welcome in Oberon whenever you wish. You will always have a friendly face here. The pleasure is mine. I had a wonderful time here. I'm sorry to interrupt your rituals and ceremonies, uh, but I hope that they can continue once all of this is over. Thank you. And thank you for the salmon. You're a wonderful fisher. <laughs> Never been able to catch a fish myself, but... 
I'm sure my ride will be revitalized and rejuvenated for my ride back. I'm just honored we were able to help. And um, if the princess does end up speaking, please let her know how grateful we are. Of course. I'll try to send a letter if I can. Please do. Safe travels. And Gora and the other like elders like wave, wave you off. Uh, as you hop on this owl bear who lets out a and it lumbers, you know, and starts like the owl bear lumbers off back toward the north, toward Rosso. The owl bear's acceleration is quite fast, and Manaya's. It's been a few days since she's ridden this owl bear, and so she's once again surprised at its speed and agility as it soars over the trees, wind through her hair and her new cape of leaves, and. Once they're at, you might say, a cruising altitude, uh, we see Manaya reaching up to her left arm and rubbing that gold armband inlaid with the lyrics of uh, the song she dedicated to her mother and down to the crown-turned armband made of uh, flowers and leaves. And then Manaya falls, and not physically, not off the owlbear, but her eyes are closed as in her soul she drifts over the great lake to the very middle and lets go, and she falls through the deepest, darkest depths of her soul so that she can get the clearest sight of what whatever could be down there. Uh, converse with the princess, sure, but also what makes her so special. Okay. Uh, you close your eyes and you tap into the darkest, most deep recesses of your soul. And it's like falling backward, right? There is a sense of spiritual vertigo uh, as you descend into the lake that is your consciousness, right? And the uh, kind of hard, like, a rocking of the owl bear, um, the the breeze in your hair, the smell of uh, bamboo groves, you know, and leaves like rushing past you, all fade to the edges of your consciousness as you are plunged into the icy waters of your own innermost self. And you open your eyes. And when you open your eyes again, you're not on the back of this owl bear. You are standing at the end of a dock, looking out over the horizon at the sprawling sea that spans the entire world in front of you. And there's the sun in the sky. Uh, Galtangra but it's half-dipped in the water, coloring everything bloody. And you're at the end of this dock, and you are a little girl again, and you are waiting for your parents to come home. It's a familiar sight, as it happened every single day for years before she was recruited by Captain Mahahana. That's right. And as you're standing there looking out into the ocean, you see storm clouds brewing in the distance. But it's good, you think to yourself. It's good that there's storm coming because, well, we've been a little parched this summer so far. It'll be good to have rain. It'll bring the flowers and it will 
feed and grow and water the plants and the animals that need it. And then you hear a voice behind you. The princess. Manaya, I... I'm sorry I lied to you. All right. An unusually adult voice coming from child Manaya. As she sits down at the edge of the dock and pats next, next to her, maybe mirroring as she invited Gora to sit next to her. You see two little, like, feet come out, you know, in your peripheral vision, and, like, you sense a figure sitting next to you, a figure that's about the same size as child Manaya, right? And the voice says, No, no, it's not. It's not okay. I... It should come as no surprise that Nali may or may not have exaggerated or twisted a couple of the stories she told you when you were young. This is one of them. Figured as much. We just... We were both running. You know? We were both just running for so long. Running away from our responsibilities. Running toward... Freedom, I guess. Change. Fun. And for a while, for a long time, the running was fine. It was great. It was joyful. It made us happy. But when we got there, when we got to Oberon, I saw what all my running had done. People died, Manaya, because the seasons didn't change. That winter was so long, and the people of Oberon took the worst of it. So many of them died. When we came through, I... It wasn't because my bond with Nali taught me to be responsible. It wasn't because I finally learned to grow up. It was because people died that I realized what I had to do. And that was accept my responsibility as the daughter of the Queen of Seasons and change the seasons. Because of that, I suppose the people of Oberon think of me as some sort of emissary that requires tribute, sacrifice, and I... Well, Nali and I were both so ashamed we never went back. I'm sorry, Manaya. I'm sorry I'm not what you wanted me to be. No. You're everything I hoped you would be, and more. I... I've been thinking about those stories, and I couldn't not think about how selfish Nali must have been back then, until you made it to Oberon. I was inspired by your willingness to help people. And you did. You helped people. You saved them. You changed the seasons. You turned the leaves. The crops grew, the leaves changed, and the people survived. And that's, that's all I've been doing. So if there's something wrong with that, then I'll be the last person to judge you because of it. You're too kind, Manaya. You and Nali both, you're both so kind. Yeah, Nali's grown a lot since then. So have I, I'd like to think. But I have to think, too. What kind of a legacy did we leave behind? A legacy where they, the people of Oberon feel like they need to sacrifice themselves to us? Uh, how many futures did we take? 
Think not of the futures you take, the futures you allow to come. Gora is a sweet, sweet girl, and she's doing her best, for sure. And I don't condone death in any form, but I understand that what they do is for the good of the people, for the good of the world, for the good of Andake. Well, if it's in my name, I don't know. If it's in Nali's name, I don't know if either of us... Manaya, after this is all over and we save the world, right? Let's go back to Oberon, and I can face them, and we'll tell them, well, that they don't need to keep doing that. I just feel like they need to know the whole truth. They deserve that. They do. Hey, and now you've got my crown. It's been a while since (laughs) since I've had it. It's quite nice. I wish it would stay on my head. I think it might be a little too small for that. It looks good on your arm, though. Thanks. I miss her. I know you do. I do miss her, but I know her soul is safe with Rev. And once we save the world, she'll go to the after. Maybe there she'll meet my mom. <laughs> Ooh, who knows? I'm sure she'll be, she'll be well kept, well taken care of. May not be able to say the same for you. Uh, and the princess laughs nervously, right? Uh, and we see, like, in real, in the material plane, in the now, that Manaya's eyes are closed serenely as she's, like, riding this owlbear off toward the north, right? And on the owlbear's big paws, like, going over the earth, uh, we cut now to a wall of flame erupting into existence. V, you stand with your back against the wall, the charred, shattered remains of Sievert's room crumbling around you, the smell of ice, the smell of fire and smoke battling against your senses. You see the windows where dark black uh, smoke is billowing out of, all cracked open. Uh, You hear shouting outside on the street uh, as clearly this fight is now gathering attention from the public. Um, And you see the cracked, broken bodies of the bookcases, the shattered split in half table with like an icicle punctured through it um, and the sliding door leading to the bed is just completely like destroyed caved in uh, with the shards of wood chips flown scattered everywhere V what do you do I managed to get the firewall between us right uh, yes how does that work again uh, needs to do a dexterity throw and take 5d8 damage if he succeeds, he'll take half of that damage. Okay. Dex save against what? Uh, 15. Uh, he does save, so roll half damage. So 13 fire okay. damage. 13 points of fire damage. Uh, pfft, this wall of flame bursts into existence around you, um, but then a huge hulking form barrels through it, right? Um, as, let's say, like, your hand's got, like, an icicle in it, right? And, like, blood streaming down your arm and, like, dribbling onto the floor. It's, like, a really cool, like, you know, like, badass, like, Mad Max moment. Um, and then Sievert's, like, huge, like, face, poof, like, lunges through the flames. There's, like, a parting of it. And you see that he's actually blowing out ice, like, to, like, cause the flames to part um, as, like, uh, shards of uh, frost, like, rhyme, like, 
uh, on the wall on either side of your face. He lunges forward, the jar out in front of him, and he he is somehow still alive <laughs> after taking all that damage. Places the jar underneath your bleeding arm, and blink, 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 blood begins to dribble into this glass jar uh, that he's clutching in his claw. What do you do, V? I have a thing in mind, but... I want to know where the where the diadem of truth was left. Is it just like laying on the floor somewhere? It was it like... on the table, but now the table's split in half and has a huge icicle through it. Okay. Would you like to try to grab it? V is going to uh, try to sleight of hand the jar away and get around him using some acrobatic crap. Like, uh, maybe... Uh, Let's say leaping up, hitting her feet on the wall and like running up the wall a little bit, running over him, trying to grab the jar, get on the other side of him, hopefully land it like by the diadem. That's the goal. And here's what's going to happen though. Like as he's pouring the blood, V is going to grab a pouch on her side. A pouch not of gold coins, but a pouch of nectus coins, and throw them up into the air and start shouting 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and as each number is called, a, a, a coin disappears into the into nothing to try to do this type of maneuver. It's been two whole arcs since we got the <laughs> nectus tokens, and they're finally seeing play make a dex contest. So that is a three, which is one of the numbers I called. So that's a nat 20, right? Yep, that's how it works. Uh, all the coins go in the air. Seaver goes, what do you think you're doing? Um, as you like, as you jump up, one of the coins in particular, the three, uh, let's have a hee hee, uh, like, the, like the little door, the puzzle door from like episode one, the exact same voice that goes, hee hee, nice one. Uh, and like this like bright light like flashes like and like Seaver goes ah and like lifts up a claw to like shield himself as you just feel like so good like you feel this like surge of luck like adrenaline flow through your body and you do exactly what you set out to do you grab the jar from Seavert, right it's like your body knows exactly where to go like exactly how to put yourself in order to achieve your desired effect your feet go sideways vertically on the wall you flip over him and you land cat-like right out of his reach now what do you do v okay so i've got the jar and i'm grabbing the diadem i will say you can tell my father that if he wants my blood he can come get it at carnival and then I'm going to cast Dimension Door to shoot myself down a couple of floors down, like basically in the same room, hopefully uh, not going into a middle of a wall or something. But yeah, that, straight down. I Because, you know, there could be, I could go out into the hallway. I could do this. And I, I don't want to make the easy choice, which is like probably the hallway. And I, I'm probably too high up to just go out into the street. So I'm just going to go straight down a few floors into another room. Okay. You could you shoot into another room and as soon as you arrive in the room, it's like no longer filled with smoke, right? Which is like the first thing you notice. It's no longer heat and ice and like scattered debris everywhere. The, the windows are intact uh, and you hear like shouting, you know, people are like footsteps running. You hear people like outside the room going, what the hell's going on? Go check up on room 4244B, you know, like people are like running, running, running. Um, and you're interrupting someone in this room. There's someone else, uh, an older woman, an old woman, actually, let's say. Um, she is sitting on the edge of her bed and she's knitting. 
Uh, and as soon as you appear poof, in like a whirl of like magic and just poof, poof into existence, she looks up and she goes, oh, oh my. Now, where did you come from? Oh, dear. I apparently was sent to the wrong floor by the elevator boy down at the, the bottom of the hotel. This is this isn't my room at all. Your arm is bleeding. Oh, yeah. It's um, I think when I got teleported i th i think he put me through some wall of something and i got a little scraped up and then all of a sudden i found myself here okay i need you to roll deception v i need you to roll deception so hard <laughs> on this kindly old lady but i'm gonna just take this terrible roll uh deception it's still a nine okay that's not great uh you have one point of personal inspiration and six collective would you like to use either Fine, I'll use my last personal. Why not? Nice. I like Only... making up burn your resources. Well, that's a 13 now. Okay, a 13. Let's say that's middling. A mixed success. Uh, she looks at you, and something you notice about her is that she does not seem particularly perturbed. That you dimension-doored into her room, and that there is the smell of smoke beginning to fill the entire building, and that there's like some sort of fight clearly that's going on, and you are literally intruding in her private space. She just continues to knit. Uh, and she says... All right. Well, do you need any help with that arm? Uh, you know, unless you're some type of healer or have some type of medical ability. Uh, you know, actually, I'm not. I shouldn't have offered. I got these, though. And she lifts up her two knitting needles. Mm, you know what, friend? Um, I will take a lane check on this. But I have presents for you for the inconvenience. And I'm going to take the jar, the little bit of jar of V-blood and be like, you hold on. To th this is very sacred into uh, the people of Jukai. I would highly recommend you just hold on to this for dear life. And I give the jar of my blood. To this random old lady? Okay. She takes it and your fingers brush. And there's almost like a static electricity as your fingertips touch briefly. Uh, but you're like, what was that? And she just takes it and she goes, oh, well, thank you for that. As she sets it down on her bedside table and says, sounds like someone might be looking for you in particular. And you do hear Sievert's voice, like muffled several floors up, just scream, V! Like, just like screaming it, you know? Um, you better get going before you get caught. <laughs> I like you. Uh, and V's just going to sort of dust herself off and walk out. And once she's out of the room, she's going to use disguise self. To turn herself into, let's go with a, a, a halfling, a halfling man of, who just seems really happy to be there. Okay. Just, just like, oh, there's stuff going on. This is interesting. Oh. Okay. I've never been around so much excitement before. Okay. And that, that's the energy to like leave the hotel. Okay. You leave this woman and she just goes, oh. Bye, I guess, uh, as you leave her room and you close the door behind her and you pfft, turn into this halfling man. Uh, and as you walk, it's like literally a scene of chaos. People are running everywhere. There's like, you know, like maybe like a little bell going like ding, 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 ding. They're like their version of like an alarm, right? And like people are shouting, you know, like like customers like on the ground floor by the bar are like, what the hell is going on here? On here? Is th are things on fire? Do we need to evacuate, etc.? And no one pays you a second glance as you just weave your way through the crowd and exit this inn. Uh, and on V exiting the inn, we will now go to Dewey. 
You are in the middle, I think, of like maybe like drinking up the last dregs of your fish stew and like looking at like this dossier, right? When you hear kind of like a near distant boom and a very distant Oh, secrets in town. Uh... <laughs> oh my god, take inspiration for that. That's so funny. I sh this has been fantastic. Uh, I I missed you so much. Uh, I should kind of go. Um, I oh. may know what's going on over there. Yeah. What that is related to? Okay. Uh, well, uh, Xiaohu, why don't you go with Cardu, and the two of you can also make a try to find either Jing or Kane or Talat Om, like you said you wanted to. Um, but this was so this was so good, Cardu. It's so good to catch up. And again, I'll, that armor's um, on the house. Made just for you. Thank you. That's fantastic. Uh, I'll come back and see you in a little bit, in a couple, couple days. Maybe. Of course. Yes. We have to talk strategy for the championship. Uh, and Dewey <laughs> starts to get up and uh, go out the door, like looking behind him at Xiaohu. <laughs> Just Xiaohu a little bit nervous. knocks back the last of rear tea, gets up, you know, like adjusts the prosthetic, and says, I'm ready. Uh, and follows you, Cardu, to the top of the stairs and goes, After you. Yeah, okay. He, uh, they're just, he's gonna lead Xiaohu towards the sound of chaos and I guess the smoke. Okay, um, you, you hurry down the stairs with Xiaohu following close behind um, their like paw, like their feet, like going silently down the stairs, you realize, even though um, uh, Rear is quite large uh, and muscular. Uh, and you rush past Tonga's collection of spindly instruments, uh, like little devices puffing steam and smoke, as well as the various like articles of goggles and clothing and leather armor and spiked gauntlets, etc., that she's devised over the years. You burst out of her store uh, and you see sort of like the street, like several people are like, people are like running about. You see like an, an inn at the end of the street with smoke just billowing out of like the top windows. Um, and there's like a crowd gathered like at the bottom of this inn and you get like a flash of deja vu <laughs> to the last time you were in Dabathachi, pretty much the exact same thing happening. Uh, literally also the top floor of a building with a crowd gathered at the base um, and shoving through the crowd, walking away, you see a halfling uh, who looks suspiciously happy-go-lucky going the opposite way of everyone else. Dewey, what do you do? Is there any sort of V magic, like green sparkles or anything I would recognize. Let's go with like a, the undershirt to like a little cape is like very like Kelly green. Uh, yes, that's the shade. That's the shade. Uh, excuse me, uh, sir? Dewey! Ah! I'm so happy to see okay. you, friend. I was right. <laughs> How did you know it was me? Uh, the chaos and destruction and how used to it you are. Never doubt your brilliance, friend. Never doubt. Which one are of we... your companions is this? Uh, this is V. Uh, v, this is Xiaohu, uh, a competitor for the championship. You are the friend of my mentor, and as such, I consider you my mentor as well. V, you do not look nearly like anything that Cardu has described. 
oh, well, do you want to see a magic trick? And then B, like, sheds off this guy's self and first, like, just, like, shoots up to proper V height, but it's still, like, very, looks oddly halfling-ish still. And all of a sudden just, like, and turns into V, uh, still bleeding from the arm. Be like, ta-da! Oh, my God, what did you, what happened to your arm? Oh, I, um, apparently my father's looking for my blood. That's a fun fact. Oh, okay. and I met Seaver. That, you know, you know oh, yeah. how that goes. You meet your ex-lover from seven years ago and something's got to burn down. I don't... Wait, but you... Okay. Uh, <laughs> let me get that wrapped up for you. <laughs> he starts, like, wrapping gauze around his arm. As you perform first aid, a lot of people are, like, running by. People are like, what's going on? Oh, my God, the building's on fire. And you see, like, a dragonborn nearby go, oh, I, is this another attack of the cataclysm? Is this another wave? And people start to, like, panic a little. They're looking around. Like, they're like, did one of the towers fall? Are there fireballs raining from the sky? You know, and people are, like, panicking. There's, like, chaos beginning to, like, spread down the street as people look at the flames licking out the shattered windows of the second floor of this inn that you have just vacated, V. Sounds like a day with V, not sure, so. <laughs> uh, and- Dewey calls after passer- passersby. It was, it's arson, it's fine. <laughs> okay, maybe on that, <laughs> on that quip, we cut back to Oka. Oka traveling back to Rosso. Tell me, where do we find you? Like I said, I feel like Oka is probably pretty close to uh, back to Rosso at this point. Um, And the sword on their back is a heavy, heavy burden uh, as they walk. I think it literally is heavy. Okay, yeah. Uh, Let's say you are getting close to Lake Ingear, right? So all around you are these like spiny forests. Uh, so you see like baobab trees, uh, like these like big, they almost look like tubers coming out of the ground, like big rounded trunks with these, uh, the tops of the leaves sort of like fan out horizontally uh, and have like very distinctive looking like spiny like branches coming out uh, with like a, a, a light smattering of leaves on top. And all around it, it kind of reminds you of the Badlands a little bit, but there's a lot more greenery and the, the land, the ground itself isn't as parched. There's more shrubs, etc. And you see little hills rising with like little hamlets built at their bases. You pass by like a couple of streams and rivers uh, to your west and to your east, uh, where you see little fishing towns nestled uh, in the shadow of nearby trees, etc. And there's like relatively few travelers, even though you would know this would be a main thoroughfare, like in the not apocalypse, right? But people are very reluctant to travel even during the day uh, because of all the monster attacks and weird anomalies and magical phenomena that are now wreaking havoc across all of Endake. Uh, So you're on the back of your elk, this sword weighing heavily down on you as you walk. Have you made any attempt to contact the sword since you're terrible nightmare or any attempt to bond with it or maybe like see what's up with it magically not necessarily i think it kind of is like they're doing the thing where they're pretending it's absolutely not there you know what i mean like and they're just like yeah i don't have that it literally is weighing me down not gonna look at it not gonna open it not gonna deal with it until one of my friends probably is like what is that and then oka will lose it you know 
Um, but I think that they haven't been uh, for very long. Like, they haven't been looking at it pretty much at all. Okay, yeah. And maybe let's say as you're riding on the back of this elk, there's like bags under your eyes. Your mind is heavy. Uh, let's say it's been like a few days since and every night since you've had the same nightmare as usual with the added sword, right? Where it will, you'll wake up with pain and it like piercing you through the chest and that same disappointed voice that reminds you of mother father that just says, you are not worthy. And then you wake. Uh, and at this point, I think like, you're, feel, you're starting to maybe also feel some sort of way about the sword, too, because it is robbing you of any sleep that you can get. Yeah, definitely. Um, although Oka has it, like, literally strapped to their body. Like, I think, like, they're the, it's normal chains, and they've also, like, tied, like, other things around it and around them so that it is not separating from them in any kind of way. Okay. Did you want to maybe talk to anyone about this? Or are you good to just travel? Let's say that uh, maybe there is like an, a, like another night, you know, where Oka wakes up from that same nightmare. Um, and they like, you know, they like, I think the like, you know, the elk spooks as they like jump up. Um, and maybe it's even like in the middle of the night, you know, that they wake up. Or would it be in the morning? Do they always wake in the morning? Uh, let's say in like, yeah, let's say in, in the morning. Uh, okay. Um, so I think Oka just like throws the sword down. Um, and maybe they're like, they're already like starting to like bleed a little bit of sweat. You know, like like their blood, their sweat is like from the nightmare is like tinged a little bit bloody. And they're just, they like just like throw the sword down. Um, and they like they just like go rummaging through their pack. And I think the elk kind of like, you know, spooks because they're like all of a sudden like in motion and they're like fucking great eight fucking not worth. And they're like, kind of just like muttering to themselves. Uh, and they put the, um, the bowl, uh, the bowl, the scrying bowl, like on the ground. Uh, they kind of like focus, like almost as like swiping, like the, the blood off their forehead into the bowl. And then they just like focus, fill it up and just like, whew, um, like this like huge like body length wall of blood from the scrying bowl as they try to contact Dr. Eluso. Okay, yeah. The blood is suspended in midair and the surface of this glimmering crimson liquid shimmers. 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 And maybe you're like sitting there like jittery like pick up, pick up, pick up. Um, and then fing, uh, you see Dr. Eluso sitting at the desk that they always sit at. Um, but the hair is a little like ruffled. Like maybe they, they just woke up uh, and they, they're, they're in the middle of putting on their glasses and he looks at you and says, ah, okay, is something the matter? Doc, what do you know about this? Uh, and they like reach down and pick up and for the first time unsheath the blade all the way. And you would see on either side of the silver blade, eight different characters, right? Like ancient runes carved up its length. And you would know this because you grew up in the court Right? You grew up not in the court of Ravis, but you grew up in the court of the royal court of the kingdom of Tulum. Um, and everyone knows that Dream Hunter has eight minor boons, and each rune carved up its blade gives gives a special boon, uh, in addition to its major boon, right? Um, and Dr. Eluso stares at like the runes that you're flashing in front of her face and goes, that's, 
Well, that's... Oka, where did you get your hands on that? That's a bit of a, a long story, I think. It's mine. Sort of. It belongs to the Emperor of Tuong. So by saying that it's yours... I'm not the Emperor of Tuong, Doctor. But my mother, father, is. Is this the first time you've like told Dr. Aluso or anyone this? Okay. Uh, this directly. Oka showed the party a picture and let them insinuate, but they have not actually said it out loud before. I see. Oka, I'm not going to ask where or how you got Dream Hunter. But are you okay? Why... Is it... Has it hurt you? <laughs> it's fucking with me. Every single night. The dream... It's, it's, it's different now. The <laughs> dream hunter and fucking deed. It's just... Toying with me. Constantly. Dream hunter does not toy. It is not necessarily a predator. It is, well, it's a magic sword. I think similar to Cardu's, but also very, very different. Dream Hunter was not um, created in the same way that Cardu's sword was. It is, in many senses of the word, alive. It's sentient. It knows what you're saying. It can sense your presence. It knows you are trying to wield it. It probably knows that you took it from what it believes to be, I think, its rightful owner. If it's plaguing your dreams, well, it's called Dream Hunter for a reason. It plunges the depths of your consciousness. It can know many things about you if you open your mind to it. Oka, are you familiar with Dream Hunter's ideals? Yes, I have been taught Dream Hunter's ideals for... <laughs> Far too long. Slay the wicked and give evil no quarter. Venerate the gods and protect their holy sites. Behave mindfully and act with temperance. Well, yes, those three ideals. If Dream Hunter does not deem you worthy, then it will do everything it can to make you, well, return it to its proper owner. And I think Oka kind of like looks at it, you know, in their hands. And they're like... I'm getting there, okay? We have a couple other things to deal with first, so if you could please just bear with me for one second. Dream Hunter does not respond, uh, but Dr. Luso does and says, that wasn't very mindful or a temperancy to me. Oka turns and like glares at the blood mirror and they're like, they're, you know, they're like the deep bags under their eyes. They look like they have been like crying and like their hair, like their hair is like undone and like around their face. And they like look like kind of like rapidly, like at the blood mirror, like, <laughs> like I can be temperate. Okay. Clearly this has been a difficult couple of days for you. Um, listen, you can try to cultivate a better relationship with Dream Hunter by embodying its ideals and exercising some patience around it. I know it must be very hard. I know you must resent it, but 
if you prove through your deeds and through your words that you're a good person, that you what you try to do is for the for the good of Endake, it it might understand. And Oka, for what it's worth, I I think you are worthy of Dream Hunter. It's just up to you to make sure Dream Hunter sees it too. That's where you're wrong, Doc. I'm not worthy of the sword and I don't want it. But I have to return it. So I suppose we'll get there when we get there. Well, don't underestimate yourself, Oka. You and everyone else, Manaya, Dewey, V, the four of you are very capable. And I mean, you're paragons. So Andake herself must have chosen you for a reason. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. Okay. Uh, and maybe on that, do you talk to Dr. Luso about anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Just just that they would talk when the, they'll be back in Rosso in like a day or two. and They'll talk uh, once we're all back together to make a plan about the championship. All right. Sounds good. Uh, so on, you know, Oka scrying with like phew, the pain of blood above the silver bowl, uh, we cut to Manaya arriving back at Rosso. Manaya, you dock uh, on the shores of the beach uh, on the back of your owlbear as this boat uh, lands at the end of this harbor. Uh, and uh, the owlbear steps out onto the wooden dock and <coughs> grunts and snarfles, uh, raising its large, like, flat face and its little nostrils, like, sniffing in the, uh, the, the smell of fresh lake water. Uh, and of cooking meats from Bacchanalia Beach, just like a th- quarter of a mile, like down to your right. And Manaya, you make your way back into the capital city of Rosso. Where are you headed? I'm heading to the central tower of risk and reward to head back to our little apartment, I guess. Awesome. Uh, it is. I'm headed no- to the stable first to drop okay. off the owlbear and then, and then there. Yeah. Sounds good. You drop off the owlbear at the stable uh, where the person who like rented it to you is like, you're pretty good, huh? Uh, and is like like trying to ask you for a tip, right? But maybe you're able to skate around it. Uh, and you go back to the Tower of Risk and Reward. You go into its central plaza with its huge, almost like Grand Central Station, right? At like the bottom floor, like multiple archways leading in, like huge marble steps leading up to the base of the tower itself, like large, like raised daises populating the interior where um, wizards and magicians and spellcasters teleport people up to their desired floors. Um, But there are even fewer spellcasters now than you remembered even from like a month ago, right? Um, and now there only appear to be like four active terminals, uh, where there used to be like eight, right? Like it's, it's gone down by like half, uh, and you're boop, zoop, zapped back up to the hero's quarters and it's exactly as you left it. Dewey and V are the two of you in there. Cause it's been like weeks since we last left you chronologically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dewey and V are the two of you in the common room? Yeah, I think we're in that space kind of like that joins our both of our space our private spaces. Probably then maybe we're uh, just like examining the uh, little pranks. Um, what are they ruins? It's like kind uh, of glyphs. setting them and test 
yeah, glyphs, uh, like, setting them off and, like, poking around at them. Yeah, uh, you've gotten to know Kane very well. It'll, like, their face will just appear and they'll be like, ha oh, you've triggered my trap again. And every time you do it, it's like a different message. You know, like, by, like, the 50th time you've done it, Kane is like, wow, you must be really obsessed with me, huh? You know, and every time, like, the illusion goes off, they're, like, eating a different thing on the same chaise lounge, right? Grapes, cheese, flowers, even, once, etc. Uh, and Manaya, you finally poof, are zapped into existence where you see Dewey and V lounging. What do the three of you do? Dewey, V, I... I'm back. I hope you had a good trip. I was certainly quiet here without you. I I can't imagine anything happened while you were gone. How was the coast? You... Oh, it is beautiful. Although I didn't... Although it was slightly overshadowed by the human sacrifice, but it's nothing that we haven't handled before. Oh, I hate when I miss the human sacrifices. Oh, don't worry. They've put it on pause until we've got the, the after back. Oh, that's that's good. It's, I'm glad you were able to talk some sense into them. You're always quite good at talking sense into people. Not talk sense into them. Their rituals are theirs. I simply told them that the sacrifices aren't going anywhere, at least for now. How was your jaunt around the town? Quite a hot time in the old town tonight, let me tell you, friend. Uh, ran in... Always I, warm with a V. You know, I ran into Sievert one more time, and we had a delightful Sievert. meeting of the minds. There may be no long, a room in a hotel that no longer exists, but, you know, what do you do? It's easy what you do. I have this pretty this pretty diadem. This, it, uh... You should try it on sometime, and then I can, we can have a good chat. Oh no, uh, hats don't quite. With my hair and, and and speaking of hats, I got a new armband. It does some pretty cool stuff. Oh, that's I love it. It's, nice. It suits you very well. Did oh, you make it? Uh, oh no, it was a gift. Turns out when you're the hero of a town, they like to shower you with, among other things. But a 50-pound pumpkin that they expect to fit in your pack on an owlbear. I politely refused, of course, and gave them my mother's secret recipe for pumpkin pie. Maybe on the heels of that statement, there's another... And Oka, would you like to describe your entrance? Yeah, Oka looks positively fucked up. Um, <laughs> like, when I was like, look, I got a flower crown. I had a great time. There's one of those human sacrifices. Oka, on the other hand, like... Uh, like... I feel like they always kind of have bags around their eyes, but they're like deep, you know? Uh, and maybe there's like even like a little like smidgen of like blood underneath their nose. Uh, and like their hair is still like undone and like coming down around their face. Um, and they're like, their clothes are like kind of like muddy from where they like maybe like, or like, like something happened. Uh, they like definitely fought something up. There's like a bandage like wrapped around their arm. Um, and they, have this like big like this long package basically strapped to their back and they dig in oh good okay are, are you all right what happened nothing listen just come sit down you look like you need some rest yeah take off that big that giant thing in your back no no yeah. um this has to uh glad everyone's here we could just you're all waiting around for something? Why don't you go to bed like normal people? It's 
not even dinner time. Oh I said, God. why don't you just go to bed like normal people? I'm sorry. I think I, uh, I need a nap. Glad to see you're all home. Go uh, rest. Right. Anoka kind of just like swallows uh, and like like pushes past V a little bit. I think as they as they like head like they basically just fucking like stumble down the hallway, uh, and like it's like the door like slams behind them. They'll likely be out for the night. We'll check up on them tomorrow morning. But... Do you think they ran into an X too? Kind of how I looked after I met Sievert. I don't know, but looks worse. I am now going to activate the monologue. Uh, and it landed on V. Excellent. So after Oka storms off, slams the door, silence settles, V, you feel compelled to speak. What do you say? Friends, I, uh, while I was hanging out with Sievert and, uh, you know, uh, destroying the apartment. He was trying to get my blood. Uh, he said some things to me that, you know, uh, it, it hurt me a lot in my heart. And there's a lot of things I'm contemplating now These now that I've had some time. First off, you must understand my father is alive. Apparently, Sievert is working with him and Apparently, my blood is very valuable. You know how I love valuable things? So now I'm the most valuable. And V is like shifting very uncomfortably. We've been traveling together for many, many months now. And I've never, other than my time with Sievert, traveled for such a long, long time with the same group of people. And in having this moment with Sievert, I'm reminded of how much I got hurt by placing my trust with someone who only then used it to destroy me later on, betray me, and nearly get me killed. And so I'm sitting here these last few days, and I'm a little scared. I'm concerned about the fact that we all were just strangers to each other not that long ago. We've done some amazing things together. We probably should have died a few times. In fact, Anaya, you had an incredibly close call. And yet, my heart has been gnawing at me ever since... I met Sievert here in the city that you're all just going to wake up one day and move on without your old friend V like I mean nothing to you at all and if you do that you know I'll be okay I'll I've lived through many heartbreaks and precarious situations I mean, you should have seen, you should have seen it, friends. I channeled such a strong, powerful chrome, uh, I fired this fireball that was so powerful, it 
destroyed the room when that wasn't supposed to harm anything but Sievert, and yet it did so much damage, it completely tore the room apart. I've done so much, it seems like in such a short period of time I've gotten so much stronger. And I think then it would be even that much more heartbreaking to me if something was to happen that you all... I couldn't trust you as much as I hope I can. And with everything going on, with having now known for sh for real that I have this father in the God's spine who knows that I exist, who wants my blood but not me, I guess I can say that my faith is shaken and I'm reminded that I can only trust you all so much and that at any given moment I may have to do whatever I have to do to protect V and that's where my heart is right now it is gnawing apart ever since I ran into Sievert Naya steps forward and wraps V in a big hug, a gentle hug, and she says, V, you are more important, more valuable, more, more important than you'll ever know. To me, to Dewey, even to Oka, though they'll never say it, and we won't leave you, and we won't let you leave us. We... <laughs> We have to stick together. We have to fight together against the stranger, against Sievert, against whoever comes into our path. We have to fight for those we have lost and for those we can yet save. He starts to cry and hugs back Manaya and in the sobs you can make out, I wish Rev was here. And she just continues to cry. Podcast editing is by Marisa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Abigail Rytel, Azara, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Lex Slater, Marvelous, Mitzi, Moonflower T, Purple Mouse, Risa, and Target.